that the clock has struck seven, so we will get started in just a moment. Um, I've been given a few announcements that I'll run over, and then I'll take a prayer request from the audience. Uh, first off, uh, he didn't ask me to announce this, but I'm going to share it. Um, I was talking with Bob Maddox just a second ago, and Jackson and Jenny Carroll, as y'all know, their house burned down, but he was uh, being extremely complimentary of how the church has just risen to their aid in, in, in a very astounding way. And so kudos to all of you um, and the other congregations are involved in that. Uh, it is unique when you're on that side of that, but that's the way it's supposed to work. And we're going to talk about that some tonight as well. So uh, thank you all for that and taking care of that family. Uh, Virginia Mormon uh, had two stents done and she's recovering. Uh, beyond that, uh, the Winona... The bus, they're going to Winona for the World Evangelism. Uh, that will be leaving Friday at 8 from the Annex. If you're going to that, Friday at 8 from the Annex, uh, we'll be going to Winona. So those are the announcements I have. Uh, what other prayer requests do you have tonight? You said Anita Gibb? Okay, pancreatic cancer. Uh, that reminds me of Van Roberts, who's a member, um, I believe, over at Liberty. Uh, good, I never knew Van personally that well, but I know his wife very well. And so keep, Van Roberts is also in pan, is dealing with pancreatic cancer and treatments right now. And I think his treatment started today. Actually, keep that family in your prayers. So thank you, Rick. Mm -hmm.
Bob Stinnett, ALS. Okay. daughter um is scheduled for a c-section next thursday unless she goes into labor before that but she may be having some labor pains of some type some type right now but her husband may be sick with covid which would change a lot of things for that so we're going to pray for all of that, that that one he tests negative and two that you know either the baby comes sooner or whatever um just everything goes well with that and you have no sick days. Nothing I can do for you on that one. <laughs> but anyways. All right. What else? Yes. Yes, thank you. I don't know. If I knew I should have mentioned that. Uh, so Colin Farr, um, that'd be Blake and um, Kayla's youngest son is in Le Bonner. Um The last update I heard on him was that there was a lesion um, in his brain and they were looking at that. I don't know anything past that, um, but he was having symptoms. I got, yep, in the back. Thank you. Okay, so he's having a sedated MRI tomorrow morning. Okay, because he got sick this morning when he was supposed to have a more advanced MRI. And uh, so yeah, keep him and that family in your prayers. Uh, when you have a sick one, uh, it is not a pleasant experience at all. Uh, and to be candid, COVID makes it worse. Uh, not from a standpoint of whether or not they have COVID, but the family is not allowed to be supportive the way they want to be. That's not right or fair, but that's the way it is right now. And uh, so keep the whole far family in your, in your prayers. They're both there, right, right, good. They're both there, but I know grandparents want to be there too and everything else, and that, that can get tough in a hurry. Anyone else? What? I saw. Austin Wentz? Okay. Yes, yes, I know he's in therapy, or not, he's in treatments right now, correct? I know that's progressing. Um, keep him in your prayers as well. All right, let's go to our God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have given us, Lord. We are thankful for the ability to come and, and lay our petitions before your throne, and we know they have they've already been heard as the names have been called, Heavenly Father. Uh, you know what is best in all these situations, Lord. We pray that you will be with each of those. We have some that are facing cancer treatments. We pray that, that the treatment will go well and that also the side effects will be minimal. Uh, we have some, Heavenly Father, that have... Um, sustained a personal loss, Lord, and the church has done well, and we are so thankful for your body when it rises in that regard. And we pray, Lord, that we will always, as a family, look out for each other. Lord, we know there are those uh, that, have, uh, that have young children right now that are sick and are needing uh, various things. Lord, we pray multiple things in that regard for Colin. We pray that the, 
MRI goes well tomorrow morning, if a surgery or something like that is needed, that, that will go extremely well and that he can return to his normal walk of life very, very soon. Uh, we pray that those that are facing, uh, that you'll be with Casey and her husband, that as that baby is trying to come into the earth uh, soon, Lord, we pray that that will go well and that Casey will not have to deal with a COVID diagnosis right as uh, her husband's COVID diagnosis right as the birth of their child is coming. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll be with all the other ones that were mentioned here tonight, that you will watch over them, protect them, guard them, and direct them, Lord. And, Lord, as we study this subject tonight, we pray uh, a few things about COVID itself, Lord. One, we pray, Lord, that if this is of nature, that you will destroy this virus or, or cause it to, to change in a way that it no longer affects us in the way that it has. Remove this from our land. Lord, if it's of man, we pray that you will remove those people that created it that you will restrict them of their power and their abilities, Heavenly Father, to affect us and let the earth swallow them, Heavenly Father. We don't know which way it came, uh, but we know you're the answer regardless of which direction this virus came from. And we know, Lord, that as we as a body have to face and make decisions, that one thing that we should be united around is your work in your kingdom. And we pray that as we go through this study tonight, that we will remain focused on that. And Lord, it's in your great and holy Son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so I have tried to have discussion in this class uh, throughout the entire study and through most classes that I teach. This lesson was supposed to take two to three weeks to go over, and I'm going to do my dead level best to do it in a single night uh, because I think it's an extremely important topic, and I feel like it's one that, to be candid, we have been afraid to discuss, um, and it's one we need. We need to be. Uh, we need to be confident that we can stand on certain principles, and that truth is truth, and that it's okay if you disagree on some things. We can still get along as a body of Christ. This is not a political discussion. Though you may feel like it is at times when I point out certain issues, this is not meant to be offensive to anybody if COVID has affected your life in any shape, form, or fashion. Whether you had it and you think it's no big deal or you lost a loved one, and everyone in this room knows someone that's been one of those two extremes. This is not meant to be offensive to anyone in this regard. This is about how we as Christians treat each other and then how we interact uh, with the government based on how the government treats us in regards to this virus, which is why I wish I could do this in two or three weeks, because it's a big topic. I'm going to review very quickly what to me is something that happened that I don't think we even realized it happened when it happened. And that is, well, this first part we knew. We, knew. we as a society have become disconnected from God. And we as a society, and I'm being very general here, we have looked, unfortunately, to those in power to take care of us. Do you think that is a true statement? Now, as a society, I'm not saying that we in this building, but as a society, the more we look to men to solve our problems, the more God's going to let those men fail us. Because He is the answer to these solutions. He is how things come and go. If you review the plagues that affected the Israelites, they ended when God chose them to end. Now, I'm not saying COVID is a plague from God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what the point I'm making is, 
when these things have affected the earth, and they have multiple times through history, no matter what certain people in power tell you, we rarely know why it disappears. It just goes away. Now they want to tell you, oh, we did this or we did that, but in reality, if you study the truth, we don't actually know why certain viruses just mutated one day and no longer were a problem. And I'm not talking about COVID or Ebola or any other, or the swine flu or any other. I'm going back hundreds of years back in history. But the difference is, at times when things got rough, societies historically turned to God because they realized they are powerless. Do you feel powerless yet? Do you feel like anything is working to stop the virus? No. Be honest with yourself. Now, I'm not saying there's no hope. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the point I'm making is, when we became disassociated with God, we became afraid of something that we literally cannot see with the human eye. It is so small, I can't even give you an object to describe it as because you as a human can't see this object. You can't see down to that scale to understand how infinitesimally small it is and you have literally no control over it. It is a virus and it is designed to infect us. Now, I don't mean designed by man or designed by nature. I'm saying viruses are designed by nature to infect you. And they can get in you when they want to. That's just what they do. Okay. So we wanted our government to take care of us. And what they do? They took things away that you enjoyed. They told you how to have funerals. They told you how to have weddings. They told you how you could assemble. They told us that we couldn't have 50 people in a building and go to church. And we let them do it. Because we were afraid. Our physicians, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, our pharmacists, and every other healthcare provider were afraid that they themselves would also catch it. A lot of them were employees of hospitals, and they did whatever the boss said, rather than practicing medicine. That's just fact. That's not a judgment at all. It's just what happened. So as you have a group of people disassociated from God, then you have a group of people that are now uncomfortable and unhappy with their surroundings. They want an answer. Make this pain go away. Insert authority telling you a solution. This is how this will go away. Do these things. One, two, three. Thou shalt be free. And the moment that happened, a mass hysteria, possibly a psychosis, possibly a hypnosis, I can't even describe what I saw, affected our country and the world, not just the United States. Let's not be so granular as the United States. The whole world is gripping with this. And all of a sudden, you have this polarization of people. And they're saying terrible and hateful things to each other. And nobody knows the truth. Nobody did. I'm talking March 2020, nobody knew the truth. Nobody. And all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, we are told... We must lock down, you must wear a mask, and you must get a vaccine. Those are the answers to the pandemic. How's that working for us? 
It's slowing down, right? We're not in the fifth wave right now. No matter what is told to you, no matter what the stats say, the solution is always the same. Always. Lock down, take away rights, get the vaccine. If you don't do those things, you hate your brother, you hate your sister, and you're a terrible human being. And the opposite side of that, the other side, says, well, I love my liberty, I love my freedoms. You're a liberal nut job. And so you have this growing polarization where two groups of people hate each other. And guess what? You live in that world. You lived it, and you're still living in it. The problem is, is whenever my niece gets chewed out in Walmart by a complete stranger, this is an 18-year-old girl, gets chewed out by a 40- to 50-year-old woman because she wasn't doing something she thought she should be doing. This woman thought she had not only the right, but the responsibility to correct my niece. That is hysteria or psychosis. That did not happen before COVID. Did not happen. So what do you do as a Christian? How do you respond when people do that? How do you respond whenever someone says, you know, well, this is important to me, or this is how I feel, or this is what I do? Is there anything in the Bible that addresses this issue? There should be. We shouldn't worry about it because we know we have a future. So let's flip over to Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 36. And I'm going to read super fast, and I wish I could go in greater detail, but I simply don't have the time or not to do it. Acts 15, verses 36. It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Paul just wanted to go back and see the folks at churches. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. This next verse is key. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the God. And he went through Syria and Syria, strengthening the churches. What in the world does this have to do with COVID? Well, there was a sharp disagreement between two brothers that loved each other over a non-doctrinal issue. Whether or not John Mark went with them was not a doctrinal issue, wasn't a faith issue, had nothing to, it was an exterior issue, it was someone's opinion. And mind you, the person in authority, the, uh, the apostle of God, did not want him to go. And little Barnabas has the courage to stand up to Paul. Could you imagine standing up to Paul? This man was a zealot. He was loud, he was boisterous, and he told you what he thought. Sounds like some of the people you deal with in today's world. And Barnabas goes, Paul, I'm sorry. I'm giving him another chance. But I want you to notice something. Though there was a sharp disagreement in this particular event, and let's just say, let's insert COVID here, they were arguing over whether or not we should have spaced out seating or whether or not we should have masks or whether or not we should separate the congregation on vaccine status or whatever. It doesn't matter. Any of those issues. 
These two men did not allow their personal disagreement to affect the work of the church. Did you find that? They found a solution. Now that solution, unfortunately, was they went their separate ways. Here's the crazy thing. Paul was wrong. Because we learn later that John Mark was an active role and Paul himself mentions John Mark later on. What am I getting at? If Paul, an apostle of God or Christ, can be wrong about a non-doctrinal issue, so can you. So don't be so arrogant that you're willing to cut off a family member or a friend over something that's not even a doctrinal issue. Paul and Barnabas were no longer, they didn't become mortal enemies because they disagreed. They still both went on missionary journeys. God's work still continued, even though they had a sharp disagreement. So we as the church can use that as an example when these type of things come up, that sometimes it's better to go, you know what? We're not going to find a resolution to this. Both parties have merit to their arguments. Let's just separate. Now let's review our response. And I want to say I'm super proud of how the elders handled this at this church. Let's go back to March 20 and April and those timelines whenever with the lockdowns were going on and life was completely different than it is right now even. We had, we, had a, we had an audience that wanted to be masked and we had a service for those group of people. And we had a group of people that wanted to be outside and we had a service for those people. And we adapted the services to meet the needs because there was no reason to create a divide in the family over this. Because the moment the elders take a side on a non-doctrinal issue, you split the church. The moment that happens. Because the other side feels like, well, why, should I, why am I wrong? Why are my thoughts incorrect? So I'm very glad of how they handled that, and I'm still very proud of how they're still handling it. So let's move on to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. So Paul writes a letter to Corinth, and in the very first chapter, he addresses a concern of his. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Agree on what, Paul? And that there be no divisions among you. Divisions about what, Paul? but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. What same mind? What same judgment? For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. We're going to skip down to where he says in verse 17, a verse that confuses people, and he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And there are doctrinal people that try to say that verse says that you don't have to baptize folks. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, me preaching the gospel. I'm sorry, I lost my pencil. Paul's saying, me preaching the gospel, me doing God's work is more important than anything else. And I'm thankful I didn't baptize you people because I don't want you saying I'm of Paul. Here's the deal. If the church can't be divided over Christian matters, which is who they learned from, it sure enough can't be divided 
over a virus? It can't be. Paul, think about what we covered in this lesson, in this study, in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6, chapter 10, etc. about sins that we consider heinous. That's not what he started with. Chapter 1, he says, I don't want you to be divided. What does he want us united around? Christ and the mission of the gospel. That's the church's job. I remember telling Todd English, I believe it was in May of 2020, and there was decisions about what's going to happen in the next school year because schools were out. And I told Todd, I said, school system's job is to educate. Educate. Do your job. Now, I wasn't being rude to Todd. The point I was making to Todd is, Todd, you're not a healthcare professional. Get out of the political discussion. I was trying to encourage him. Educate the kids. When you see what happened to our reading and math scores for the kids that are in the second and third grade, we have ruined a generation of kids over this. And it wasn't even a danger to them. Okay? That was a mistake that we made as a society, but we didn't know. Paul says the church's job is Christ and preaching Christ. Each individual member of this body should be focused on the same thing. So how do we as a Christian adapt to that? How do we reconcile our personal health care decisions with this? Well, let's go over to Romans chapter 14. And I know I'm moving fast and I apologize for that, but like I said, I want to make sure we cover these in detail because I think if we focus on how to treat each other, we can then learn how to treat the world too. Romans 14 verse 10 says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? This verse should hit you hard. For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. There are parts of our Christian lives that people see in public. But in reality, Christianity is an individual relationship between your soul and God. And only you will give an account to your decisions between you and God. Anthony Fauci won't be there. Joe Biden won't be there. Donald Trump won't be there. Now, wait, let me back up. Yeah, they will. But they'll all be given their own account. They won't be able to speak up for you and defend what you did or what you said to your brother and sister because you disagreed on some random thing about COVID and how you treated them during this process. They won't be there. It'll be between you and God. And God says, why are you passing judgment on your brother? This is between, let, leave them alone. They're going to have to answer to themselves. Let's keep going here. Verse 13, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now I'm going to get real personal, and I may hurt your feelings when I say this next little bit. But no, I love you. And sometimes we just need to be told things that hurt. When COVID started, 
And we had no idea what was going to happen. We were told various things that we had to do. Now, at my work at that time, we were actually short a pharmacist. There are only two nuclear pharmacists that service the entire north half of the state of Mississippi and the northwestern corner of Alabama. Two. That's me and Wesley Adams. That's it. We were told, you two cannot get sick, and you two cannot work the same schedule. Because if one of us went down, the other one had to keep sending doses out the door. Now, I'm not trying to sound a pity party. I'm just being frank. So this is what happened in my personal life. We were told when we weren't at work, we were to stay away from anybody, from everybody. Quarantine ourselves at home. Because if we went down, doses didn't go out the door. You need your studies. Brent was there. He remembers all these meetings we had and these discussions. It was nuts. So what I do? Well, we had just bought our place on the coast. So I worked a full week of doubles with call, and then I left every Friday. Every Friday. And I went to a place, and by the way, Anita, you were there at that time. There was nobody down there, was there? Best place in the world to quarantine. We went down there. Okay? And then we came back, and I worked 60 to 80 hours and took call. And then it washed, lather, repeat. That was my life for months. Months. Because our replacement pharmacist didn't come on duty until sometime in July of 2020. Well, at that point, the church was wrestling with, do we wear masks, do we not wear masks? And at that point, about 95% of people in the congregation were wearing masks. So if we so much as had the sniffles, I was like, we're not going to church, we're watching online today. Because I didn't want to be a stumbling block for people that I knew were very concerned. Now, you can even ask the elders. I even texted them this information. Guys, I can't be there during this time. I'm sorry. I had a group text going with them. I gave them information. Just had our first case in Tupelo. Y'all need to be prepared. This may hit the church. I was giving them everything I could because I couldn't be here. Right? Okay, no big deal. Why am I getting this personal story? Because I had made certain personal health decisions based on the pathophysiology of the virus, how it affects your body, that was different than the public domain. And I realized that, and I said, I'm not going to affect my brothers and sisters. So we stayed out longer, but we watched every Facebook live stream, and we did all that. But I was out of this building and this assembly for months longer than a lot of you were. And when I came back, even though I had been watching and I had been present and we'd been taking the Lord's Supper, I was a lost sheep. Do you know how offensive that was to me? It made me mad, just to be candid with you. People came up and said, hey, I'm so-and-so, who are you? And I'm like, I'm your Sunday school teacher. Don't you treat me like that. Why am I saying this? We still have brothers and sisters that have chosen to be out for their personal health care. Don't pass judgment on them. When they come back, welcome them back. But don't, don't try to make a joke. It's not funny. I'm going to tell you something else. If you look at the Facebook live stream, you'll see all these people get on there, and they all say, and they give the people that are watching with them, so-and-so watching, so-and-so watching. And there's just a list. You can ask Jeremy. Every week, there's a list of people telling they're in this congregation. They're watching right now. 
They are here. God is a spirit. He can be in multiple places at one time. Don't pass judgment on them. And better yet, reach out to them and treat them like they're still your friends. Because the opposite is offensive. I even had a conversation with Stephen Hodgen about it. I was like, Stephen, have we decided to make a line between those that are doing remote church and, and in-person church? Because, man, my family's getting a vibe that just ain't right. I've been a frontline healthcare worker through this whole thing, and I'm coming back and like, I don't even recognize my own church. Now, I'm not fussing at you. What I'm telling you is, this is real, and it's not over yet, because some people are still choosing to stay home. Now, you may think that's the wrong choice. Congratulations, you're entitled to your own opinion. They will give an account for whether or not they made the right choice before God. You won't be there. You'll give an account for how you treated them when they come back. So be mindful of that. Be careful. Whenever we look at this, if we look further down in this, verse 20, it says, Do not, for the sake of food, he's referring to food offered to idols, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble when he eats. Do not, for the sake of a mask, for the sake of vaccine status, for the sake of lockdown opinions, for the sake of social distancing, allow there to be a division between you and your brothers and sisters. Now, like I said, that may have hurt your feelings. But we need our body united. God and Christ are not divided. We need to get back together because our country is already falling apart. The church can't too. Now, everyone that's here watching this right now, kudos. Everyone watching at home on the live stream, kudos. I had to quit watching on live stream because I realized, y'all, my family ain't mature enough to do that. That's why I came back. And me and the Elliots at the time were the only two families in this entire church not wearing masks. We sat up there so you didn't have to see us. Now look at us. Look around. I'm the, I'm the abnormal one, right? What changed? Nothing. Virus is still the same. Just five different mutations since then. Just your fear and your ability to handle it has changed. Well, there are people here wearing masks. There's nothing wrong with that. I wear it. I don't care. But do not pass judgment on somebody by what they do with their own body. That's their business. Now, I know I'm on a footstool and I'm fixing to get off, but we're going to finish this real quick. I'm going to read off a group of scriptures that I want you to read that I don't have time to cover tonight because I, I won't get through everything. Romans 10, Romans 12.10. Read that this evening before you go to bed. Romans 12.10. Romans 12.17, same chapter. Read that. James 4.11 and James 5.9. And there's a lot more about how to treat your brothers and sisters with love and bestowing honor and being forgiving and taking care of them. Do those things. Be that kind of brother and sister in Christ. Do not fall to the hysteria of right versus left or whatever versus whatever. Satan wants you divided. He wants you to not like each other. He loves it. That's what hell's going to be like, by the way. 
How are you enjoying it? 2020 was a great year, right? That's Satan. That's what division looks like. That's what his kingdom's going to look like. Let's not go there. So Acts 4. Let's flip over there. Acts 4, verse 18. Acts 4, verses 18. And like I said, my apologies. I wish I could allow more conversation, but it's just we're at the end of our study. Acts 4, verse 18. This one's going to get me in trouble. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And they quit talking, right? They quit assembling, right? What'd they do? Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. The Church of Christ cop-out is subjection to governing authorities. We preach that so much that we fell victim to our own teaching. And we let them into our church and we let them tell, tell us how to worship. We shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake. I even advised the same thing. I shouldn't have done it. Can you as a Christian deny the governing authority and it not be a sin? And before you freak out, remind yourself of Acts 4. Let me give you the example. 1 Corinthians 6, we read that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit dwells inside of you. And I'm going to make a real quick analogy. When, I about the, when you go into that water, you became unified with Christ. And you're now the temple of God. Your body is. You give the government the power to do what they want to to your body. You are giving them the authority over the temple of God. If you think it is a sin because the vac you consider the vaccine evil, and there are people that do, do not take it. But if you think the vaccine protects you and is good for you and protects your body, then take it. And this audience that I have. I know when I refer to the group of Scriptures where he says, if you believe it to be a sin, it is a sin. Where I'm going with that is, if, you, if it violates your own conscience, do not give the government the authority over it. Because what you do with your body and the temple of God is up to you. I am not anti Vaccine. I'm not pro-vaccine. I want you to have the right to do what you want to do with your own body. Why? Because what you choose to do with your own body, there is no more sanctioned right on earth than that. And here's the problem. You're no longer taught the history of your own government in a way that you can actually understand it. So I'm going to read a document that's not the Bible because I want you to understand what it's saying 
so that you understand you're not violating the governing authorities if you choose to do whatever you choose to do, so long as you're not breaking a law. What do I mean by this? Well, let's just read something real quick together. And it's going to sound real familiar to you when I read this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. Does this sound familiar to anybody? These next two words. Ensure domestic tranquility. That means so that we can all get along. That's the preamble. Very next, very next paragraph after that. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in Congress of the United States. Name one law passed by Congress that affected you during COVID. You won't find one. They were all executive orders. And they're not protected in your U.S. Constitution. And why am I telling you that? Because I want you to have a clear conscience before God to defend your own body. The government does not have a right to tell you what to do with your own body. Now that may be shocking to you that I'm reading this, but you need to understand how your own government works because we have forgotten. Let's go to article... Let's go now to another part that you may, you may just be, you may be blown away by. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That trumps everything a mayor or governor can do. Why? Because it's federal law. It's federal law. Let's look at Article 10. The powers not delegated by the United States to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are resolved to the states, or this is the verse they don't want you to know, or the people. Your government, which was ordained by God when they wrote and signed that document, says you have that power. But the more you give it away, the more they're going to take. Now, I'm not asking for a rebellion or you to go out and do something crazy. Don't do any of that. But be like Paul, or be like Peter. Whether it's right to do what you want me to do, government, or what God says, you be the judge. But I'm going to follow Christ. And I'm protected by the government that he established on this land for you to be under. We read last week in Romans 1 verse 18 that unrighteousness wants to suppress the truth. They don't want you to know the truth. I don't even know who the they is, by the way. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm none of that stuff. I love God and I love freedom. That's it. What I can tell you is, if you look over the, the verses, when there's a disagreement, like you see between Paul and Barnabas, find a peaceful resolution so that God's work still continues. Whenever you're trying to figure out how to deal with your brother, don't pass judgment on your brother and sister. They're going to give an account to their own accounts. When it comes to your own personal body, don't feel like you have no choice 
Because you do. You are the temple of God, and your United States Constitution, the government you are under, protects your rights. I know this may not be popular, and this is probably the end of my teaching. That's okay. Are you tired? I am. I want the church back. I know this class was fast and slightly intense, but I want you to know that modern moral issues are something that will always face you. I hope you have a great and wonderful week. Thank you so much for your time.
good evening. Let's go ahead and try to get started tonight if we can. First of all, we are so glad that you are here tonight. We are very thankful for that, and I uh, hope your class has been as beneficial and enjoyable as the one I was in tonight. Uh, I would encourage everyone that was not here in the auditorium to go home, and I think you can rewatch the live stream. Uh, I would just say go home and do that. You'd be very, very uh, edified and a lot of good information was shared tonight in the auditorium class, and I would strongly encourage you to, to uh, go and watch that if you were not in the auditorium tonight. A few updates, announcements tonight. Let's remember uh, Colin Farr. This is the son of Blake and Kayla and the grandson of Toy and Pam. Uh, he remains in Le Bonner going through a series of tests, and we certainly want to continue to remember the doctors and, that are seeing after his care and remember the family in our prayers. Also, Grady Wigington, an elder at Hillcrest, is in the COVID unit in the Tupelo Hospital, and we've been requested to remember him in our prayers. Uh, Virginia Mormon had a very successful procedure today. We're thankful for that. They were able to accomplish uh, putting in the stents, and so she's at home doing very well. We also want to congratulate uh, Jim and Janita Estes uh, in the birth of their grandchild. Uh, Brent, great, great, sorry. I see y'all are too, y'all are too young to have great. See, it's just confusing. In the birth of their great granddaughter, Brindley Rains Wall, uh, she was born on January the 24th in Albany, Georgia to Jared and Lexi Wall. She weighed five pounds, 14 ounces, 19 and a half inches long. And of course, the grandparents are Tim and Tammy Estes, so they're very happy tonight. The uh, food pantry item this week is canned pasta. Also, we're going to have a group going to the World Evangelism Warehouse in Winona this coming Friday. Uh, we'll leave the building uh, from the annex at 8 a.m., return around 6 o'clock, and this is for anybody in the congregation that would like to go, and you're encouraged to sign the list in the foyer if you plan to attend that. Also, if you're of Golden Circle age, we have those calendars available for you. Several have already gotten those, but if you're one who is not, if you'll please see me, I'll make sure that you get one of those. Also, please remember this coming Lord's Day, we're going to be having a, a very special contribution. Uh, since it's the fifth Sunday, it'll be going toward benevolence. Uh, the church here is a shining light in this community. Believe me, I've learned that uh, in regard to helping those in need. And uh, all the funds that are given Sunday are going to be going toward benevolence. So if you can give a little extra, uh, I know the Lord and the church here would appreciate it. Also, please uh, pick up a bulletin from any of the doors or you can check on our website. If you would like to receive the bulletin, uh, please just leave your information in the church office. For our devotional tonight, uh, Drew Bruce is going to be leading our singing and Chris Beard will lead our closing prayer. Get that mark and turn. 417, 417. We'll sing the first, last verse, 417. <clears throat> Four hundred 
Don't you think it ought to be important to us? I certainly think all of us would agree with that statement. If something is vitally important to God, then we need to be concerned about it. You know, if we take just a quick examination of the Ten Commandments that we find in Exodus 21 through 17, those commandments remind us really what matters to God. For example, God's place in our lives matter. The commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. We have to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, God's place in our lives matter. Also, God's name matters. The Ten Commandments says, you shall, have, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In our society that emphasizes immorality today. We hear filthy, vile, vulgar language on TV. We hear it at Walmart, at school. We as Christians need to be very careful because how we use the name of God really matters. Also, how we worship matters. The Ten Commandments says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and God must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. Also, family matters. Being the best child that we can be, the best young person that we can be, the best husband, the best wife that we can be really matters because, you know, the Ten Commandments say, honor your father and your mother. I think having a, a great marriage is something that really matters. One of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not commit adultery. And therefore, husbands and wives need to be faithful and committed one to another. Life itself also matters. We live in a world today, we live in a country today where millions of 
precious little babies are killed through abortion. And yet the Bible says you shall not murder. Life itself is important. Also, respecting the property of others is important. We have to lock our doors now when we leave our homes. We lock our cars. We, we watch out for the other person because we know that there are those that have no respect for the property of others. The Ten Commandments says, you shall not steal. Or what about our word? Do we mean what we say? Is our word our bond? We need to be honest. The Bible says, uh, one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not bear false witness. Or what about being satisfied with the blessings that God has given us? Not wanting what somebody else may have. Not being dissatisfied uh, with what God has given us, wanting more in view of what somebody else may possess. The Ten Commandments says, you shall not covet. That is, you shall not desire or lust for your neighbor's house or his wife, his servants, his donkey, his car, his swimming pool, or, or whatever the case may be. And so as we think about some modern-day applications to the Ten Commandments for us today, I think we can leave here tonight resolved that we need to make God's priorities our priorities. God needs to be first in our lives. You know, it's easy to go astray, isn't it? It's easy to become sidetracked. There's so many pressures placed upon us on a, a daily basis that it's easy to, to lose track of what's important. Maybe that there's one here tonight that has gone off in a direction that maybe you don't need to go and you recognize the fact that you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe that needs to be known in a public way tonight. You may need to come simply acknowledging your sins. We'll be willing, be willing to repent of them. We'll go to God in prayer and God will forgive you of those sins. Or maybe tonight you're one who is outside of Christ. You've never obeyed the gospel. Don't leave this building tonight and go out into this darkness unprepared to meet God. Come tonight believing in Christ with all of your heart. Be willing to repent of your sins. Confess his name that he is the son of God. And tonight you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so tonight if you need to respond to the invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
I forgot to give this announcement to Doug, uh, but uh, we have uh, roughly uh, 200 sweatshirts back of the foyer. As you go out the door there, they're there, and they're all small, the only, only uh, small adult. That's the only bad thing about it, but we need to get rid of those things. If they're not used within the next month or so, it's going to be a little bit warm to wear them, probably. So if you can use those, you have family members that can use them, you want to take them, they're there, there, they're there for you. So please take them. Thank you. You bow with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the ability we've had this evening to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray that we have worshipped you in truth and in spirit. Father, we also want to pray for all of those who are having physical difficulties today or sickness. Father, we want to pray especially for the Wentz family, the Farr family, the Wigington family. Father, also Sandy Bonham. And Father, there are many, many others. You know their names as well as you know their needs. Father, we ask you that you will be with the doctors and the caregivers asking that you would help them return to their most wanted places in life. Also, Father, we ask you that you will be with the Wall family and with the, and the anticipated birth and also with the uh, great-grandchild of the Estes family that both shall be healthy and grow up knowing thy name and thy word. Father, we ask you that you will be with us as we go out through our daily lives and into the communities. We ask you that you will be with us, that others may see you living in us, and, and that we may be a light shining before them, that we may lead others to you. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs> 